0: You're listening to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mondana Yusefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. My husband, Ian, is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am quite the newbie. Each week, he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin or Bitcoin adoption. I promise we keep it real light and fun. But
1: before we get started, make sure you go to goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com and stack your stats for the week. Let's go.
0: Hey Anne. Hey Mandana. Hola. Konnichiwa. Buongiorno.
1: Guten Tag. Howdy. Should I add the new ones? Yeah. Guia Mora.
0: Kia ora. And we'll close it out for Canada. Hey hosers. I actually lived in Canada for a couple of years, so much love to Canada. The better version of America. And I can say that because I'm American.
1: Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see.
0: So exciting changes over here at Flirting with Bitcoin. Uh, If you haven't noticed, we have a new sound.
1: Yeah, we got some new intro music. And transition
0: music. Yeah. It's the same music.
1: Yeah, we just um, did a little revamp on the sound.
0: Yeah, and we'll probably keep making changes to it because this is our hobby and I'm silly and I like trying out new things, but I hope you guys like it. Trying to sound more and more like a real podcast as much as possible.
1: To her credit, this this was all Mamdana's idea. I just moved the mouse.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a vision. Next, like, so this is sound that we are allowed to use. But next up, I want to, like, you know, make my own beats. <laughs> if Ian has the patience to help me make my own beats because he's my, um, what is it, sound engineer? (laughs) So we'll see, we'll see. I mean, obviously the pod is about Bitcoin, but I, you know, I have some musical talents, I think.
1: No, this is a creative outlet. You get to create music, you get to share ideas. It's not just about talking about Bitcoin. Thank you, baby. Bitcoin is just the anchor.
0: Yeah, I think I always bring it back to like relationship stuff. Yeah, that's what I like talking about. So. Yeah,
1: don't send nudes, send Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get it on a t-shirt, guys. I'm working on it. If you guys want flirting with Bitcoin merch, I'll make it. And the first one would be something like, don't send me nudes, send me Bitcoin.
1: I think that would grab a lot of attention if you were walking down the street or anyone was walking down yeah. the street wearing a shirt like that. <laughs> it's like, oh, that maybe that's a good point.
0: Yeah. So... Another exciting change that I don't really understand. So I'm going to let Ian explain it. We are migrating the Substack.
1: You said it correctly. All right.
0: <laughs> now you explain it, babe.
1: Yeah, we're migrating the podcast to Substack. Um, Substack has a podcasting functionality. I don't know if it's new. Substack, they have the ability for us to publish our podcast through them. Just like Anchor lets us publish our podcast through them and it'll show up in all the same places. So technically, if you're subscribed to us on Apple or Spotify or whatever, you should still get us in your feed. Nothing will change. When I cut the domain over, flirtingwithbitcoin.com is going to look different because of how Substack kind of presents your content.
0: Yeah, so just like how Ian tries to stay up to date with all of the Bitcoin stuff, he also tries to present our podcast in the best way on the internet and for streaming so to the other podcasters who listen to us like maybe this is helpful for you and also um let us know if you use something different before we get into the weekly news roundup what time is it babe
1: the current time is seven five eight seven nine five, and we are 531 blocks since our last recording
0: and if i give you one us dollar one old rackety us dollar how many acres can i get on bitcoin island
1: Today, at this moment, you can get 5,224 acres for $1.
0: Mm, take me away.
1: You know, I think a couple weeks ago we said it was back below 5000 mm-hmm. And now we're back above it. But a funny thing happened. The CPI print came out.
0: And CPI stands for?
1: Consumer Price Index. Mm-hmm.
0: Goody passed the test. I knew. I just wanted to make sure you knew.
1: Oh, I didn't know this was like class. Yeah,
0: yeah. It always is.
1: So the CPI print came out this week and Bitcoin dumped to like... 18,000. And literally within minutes of that happening, I saw the like news articles popping up like Bitcoin's crashing and all this fun stuff. And then it just the rest of the day just went right back to 19.
0: So it was down for like three hours.
1: (laughs) I could show you the like chart. It was down for like yeah, like two, three yeah, hours and then just climb, just clawed its way right back up to 19. So I'm not saying that this is the price of Bitcoin, but it seems like we've gotten a lot of bad financial news in the past couple of weeks and it has not pushed Bitcoin further, but we've seen in the stock market continual lower lows. Yeah, so it seems like, like Bitcoin is starting to decouple from the stock market and behave in its own way rather than being perceived as like a tech stock.
0: You really think so? This is the split?
1: I don't know if this is the split, but the CPI numbers came out and everything went down. But Bitcoin went back to where it was. Tesla is down further just for comparison. Yeah, you
0: mentioned that last week.
1: So there seems to be something that's happening where people are realizing that if something bad were to happen to the financial markets, and let's just call it what happened in 08, people are looking for safe havens just like they were looking before. And I think a lot of people are figuring out that Bitcoin is actually a safe haven from what happened in 08. Assume it's the exact same thing. If you had had Bitcoin when all that happened, you would have fared (laughs) a lot better. Then where do I hide my money? Yeah, and, it just
0: didn't exist then.
1: Yeah. I don't want to say hide. I should say, where do I put my money? Yeah, yeah. Where do I preserve my wealth? So
0: Well, depending on the wallet uh, you use, it would be hiding.
1: <laughs> well, yeah.
0: Aren't you proud I made that joke? <laughs> Look
1: at me knowing
0: things, making jokes.
1: I mean, yeah, if it's in a wallet that you've never connected to the internet, it's almost by definition hiding. So,
0: Which I think brings up the next thing you wanted to talk about. Which is hardware wallets
1: uh yeah so one of our fountainheads zordon uh shout out to zordon asked a question
0: yeah so his question was ian do you use a hardware wallet and when did you decide to transition to one which i think is a good question i think it's really funny that that question came because this whole week ian's been (laughs) looking outside the door checking the porch every time one of my packages comes he gets disappointed because he was waiting for a cold card which is a type of wallet, right, babe?
1: Well, so the cold card is knowing what I know now, it's the Bitcoin wallet I should have purchased first.
0: And how many Bitcoin wallets have you purchased? Four. Okay. Within your Bitcoin journey, when did you first buy one? Was it before you dumped all the other shit coins? No,
1: actually. In the beginning, I had Bitcoin and I had other things. And so my hardware wallet purchases were influenced by that. I had learned and understood, like, take your stuff off the exchanges. I had gotten that far in the journey. But then it's like, well, where does it go? Right? When I was looking for a hardware wallet and like learning about how that worked um, ledger makes wallets that you can store all kinds of different coins on and they actually supported all the coins that I had. So the first hardware wallet I bought was a ledger. And then while I had it, I started learning more about the differences in all the hardware wallets and Um, realized that like maybe Ledger isn't the best one for me as I was getting closer and closer to Bitcoin only. Even though I think Ledger is like slick and it looks pretty like, it looks like a slick piece of hardware and I'm I'm a sucker for good looks.
0: Yeah, he is.
1: (laughs) I now today, I don't necessarily recommend Ledger for two reasons. Number one, because they're supporting multiple coins, there's just a bigger surface area of like things to go wrong, right? They have to cover a lot more edge cases. But number two, if you do have a hardware wallet, and this is what happened to me. Um, if you do have a hardware wallet that supports multiple coins, you're kind of almost dipping your toe into that world. Like every time you open the ledger app, you see basically all these other possibilities. And I'm not saying that that was by design by ledger, right? But just the act of them supporting all of those options kind of distracts you from the main goal, which is Bitcoin only. So the cold card is a Bitcoin only wallet. And if you want, you could run it in a way where, um it's literally never connects to the internet at all or connects to anything and the only way that you actually use it to like move your bitcoin is you put an sd card in it to sign the transaction so you actually have to physically transport the transaction onto the device to sign it to move your bitcoin
0: and this is the hardware wallet that you would recommend today
1: i don't recommend it to like a super newbie Right? Because there's a lot of concepts in there that I think people might struggle with. Yeah. But I do think that when you get to the point where you understand what Bitcoin is and you really want to take it all the way offline, and like you kind of said it earlier in the show, like and hide it, mm-hmm. right? Like burying your gold somewhere. I do think that cold card and multiple cold cards so that you can create like multi-sig wallets and stuff using these cold cards, right? That is like... From what I can tell at the moment in the Bitcoin world, That's like the ultimate privacy for your Bitcoin.
0: So if you're a newbie, which hardware wallet would you recommend?
1: Um, If you're a newbie, I think the first step is just moving it off the exchange to like an app on your phone. Because if you move it to an app on your phone, you still control it. Which one? I think the most newbie friendly Bitcoin only wallet that there is is Blue Wallet. It looks nice. It doesn't look like it's a prototype, right? It's got polish and it has the features inside of it that when you want a little more control, when you learn certain things, you don't have to go find a new wallet, right?
0: All right, so that's Ian's recommendation. We have a whole episode on this. I think it's episode 12, 13, one of those under the securing the bag series. So definitely check that out. But you know, things change. I and I see. You know, Ian will just decide. Nope, this company's putting out something better. I'm going to use this now. So I think I should regularly be tapping Ian for his recommendations for you guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend. I recommend Blue Wallet because it seems to be like ubiquitous within the industry also. Mm -hmm. So if if you are having trouble and you ask another Bitcoiner to help you and you have Blue Wallet, odds are they've used it and they know how to like interact with it. Um, But there are other wallets that I think are also like newbie friendly. But I think that specifically as being a software engineer, it's very important that when you ask for help, what you have is something that other people have yeah, used. they
0: have that experience. Like, They've troubleshooted it themselves. It's yep. like,
1: you know, if someone asked me to help with code and it's like, okay, what language are you using? And it's like some obscure coding language. <laughs> it's like, well, I can't help you.
0: I will like, speak that language. Yeah. And last but not least, Ian has an update for how to use the Satoshi Savings Calculator. It's been out for a while. The feedback's been, I think, overwhelmingly positive. It's really cool. Um, we don't really see what people are doing in there, but we know people are going in and using it. So I'm really happy that Ian was able to create something that people seem to have a need for. they are is some, you know, ongoing enhancements that Ian's going to be making. And so he has an update for it and I'll hand it over to him.
1: One of the consistent pieces of (laughs) feedback that we've gotten on the calculator is like other currencies. Yeah.
0: Shout out to all of our international listeners.
1: When I built version one or the beta or whatever terminology we want to use, I'll call it version one. The premier
0: version. (laughs) Yeah,
1: The MVP. I had a plan on how I was going to make it work. And it involved strike and it involved basically producing a QR code that you could like, basically buy Bitcoin to yourself. And that would be like how you automatically saved. It would put up a QR code, you would buy that amount of Bitcoin, and then you're done. Turns out Strike won't let you do that with their API. But I'd already built everything else. Problem is, Strike doesn't support many other currencies, right? They only support USD and technically British pounds and euros but that's not even in like really in their API yet so since you can't do the buy thing I've been looking for like a new place to get pricing data for Bitcoin to make the calculator work honestly I was just looking at all the wrong places but I recently found one found is a very comical term because it comes from Coinbase right but Coinbase has all the pricing data in pretty much any currency you would ever want
0: so you have to make a deal with the devil
1: well it's an open API So, uh, that's pretty interesting within the next week or two, you will be able to pick your currency and it'll all work in pretty much any, it looks like they have all currencies in the world. Oh, that's great. So I got to do a little re reworking, but eventually coming up, you'll be able to do it in any currency you want and you know, it'll be more catered to you.
0: Look at the customer service Ian brings us.
1: I mean, it's been bothering me, yeah. <laughs> so I've been wanting to fix it. I yeah, just you've
0: been trying to find a solution. I
1: don't know why I didn't think of Coinbase. I guess I'm just so anti Coinbase. I that, think
0: that's exactly why.
1: But I was I was googling for currency converters, and the problem is, is that when you find like these just open API currency converters, they all cost money. Mm-hmm. And I get it, right? Because like building any financial product that needs this conversion, obviously someone's got a database of these numbers that they wanna make something off of. But since Coinbase doesn't need to make that money, they just want people in a roundabout way dependent on their API. Mm -hmm. So we won't be dependent on them. We'll make it so that we can leave whenever we want to.
0: I believe in you, baby. All right, weekly news roundup. You know how I like it. I like the good up front and then ease me into the bad news. So what's good, baby?
1: <sighs> so the good, you know, it's been a bear market, bear market, meaning the price of Bitcoin is down during bear markets. You see a lot of consolidation, right? So like if your business model wasn't up to snuff, you know, you might go bankrupt or you might see a merger and acquisition. Um, but also people are just looking for deals. You know, they're, they're, they're still, you know, just because the price of Bitcoin's down doesn't mean that people aren't still trying to make things happen. And so,
0: right, like the industry isn't com- crumbling, it's growing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually when most of the building is done. Mm-hmm. And then once the building is over, that's when you see the new explosion in companies and technologies mm-hmm. and products.
0: And hopefully the price.
1: And hopefully the price. So the hash rate for Bitcoin has recently hit a new all-time high. So what that means is that more and more Bitcoin miners are coming online during this bear market. There's more and more compute power that's being contributed to the Bitcoin network every day. This new story is about an energy company buying a Bitcoin mining company. And so this energy company, what they've been doing is they've been acquiring access to all of this flare gas that exists, right? So we've talked about um bitcoin and its incentives of trying to be the most productive and the most efficient with energy so this company called uh, caruso energy systems they've been doing is they've been building data centers not explicitly bitcoin but i think they recently started getting into the bitcoin game but they've been building data centers that are powered by flare gas well a data center just is a place where you can put any type of computer inside of it they just bought a bitcoin mining company So they already got a a data center set up to work off of this wasted flare gas, Mm -hmm. and now they're going to be mining Bitcoin with that wasted flare gas.
0: That's cool. So this is happening in the United States, and it's an example of using waste energy for Bitcoin mining.
1: Exactly.
0: That's really exciting.
1: And this might be like the first big one, but I will not be surprised if you start seeing bigger and bigger energy companies acquiring bigger and bigger Bitcoin mining companies. Yeah,
0: because they'll do the math and say, hey, there's this huge financial incentive for us to do this. I think it would be also really interesting if they kind of join the, I don't know if there's any lobbying efforts happening or just PR efforts happening around like the counter argument to like Bitcoin is bad for the planet. Because they could come here and say, hey, we're an energy company and look what we're doing around the Bitcoin space. We're actually making use of i guess we can call this renewable waste energy is that the
1: it's just waste energy like it was going to be wasted yeah so they're just they found a new use for it right like if you go back in time gasoline used to be considered waste Mm -hmm. energy right they just figured out a new use for it and so you get more value out of the product that is the petroleum that comes out of the ground this flare gas also comes out the ground with oil but if you're not set up to compress it and transport it somewhere you just burn it Mm mm-hmm So this company and others have gone to these guys and been like, hey, let us capture it. We got something we'll do with it. We'll buy it from you for cheap because you're just wasting it. Mm -hmm. And it's just more revenue for the oil company.
0: So Bitcoin mining is continuing to grow in America.
1: It's not going to stop.
0: Yeah, it's just the beginning.
1: And it makes certain energy projects more viable, right? There's certain things that we just don't do because it's like, oh, it's going to take us 10 years to build. And it's going to take billions of dollars. And then we're not going to see a return on it for 15 years. Bitcoin says, dude, I can pay you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just flip the switch and get as many miners on here as possible, and I will start paying you. Build that nuclear plant. I will start paying you the minute it's done.
0: It would be so interesting if, like, three years from now, Crusoe Energy is like, we're done with data centers. <laughs> well, I mean, we're like full scale miners.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? It's like if you're a data center, you kind of have to go shop your data center around Mm -hmm. and convince people to put their hardware in your data center. But if you're a Bitcoin miner,
0: you don't need anything else. You don't need to go
1: find a client. Bitcoin is your client. Exactly. That's why I think you're going to see Exxon buying Bitcoin mining Mm -hmm. companies. That's why I think you're going to see Shell buying Bitcoin mining companies. Because when you go drill somewhere, you know, they're drilling in the Gulf. They got to transport that to market. With Bitcoin, the market is right at the source and that's just never existed. There's never been an energy that you could produce that gets used right at the source 100%. And pays. And pays you for it.
0: Do you have any more good news for me?
1: Yeah, this is good news also. It's a continuation of the Tornado Cash story that's been going on
0: so remind me about that story
1: so tornado cash is i think the last saturday roundup we did we talked about this guy got arrested by the dutch government for alleged money laundering
0: and an engineer
1: a software engineer he made some open source software that allegedly someone used for money laundering Mm -hmm. and so he's been arrested for facilitating Mm -hmm. money laundering part of that story is that the Treasury Department...
0: The U.S. Treasury uh, Department. Yes,
1: the U.S. Treasury Department with OFAC, which is the Office of Foreign Assets Control, they sanctioned Tornado Cash. Right? Like OFAC
0: did, s- not the Treasury Department.
1: I believe the Office of Foreign Assets Control is within the Treasury Department. Okay. So OFAC sanctioned the Tornado Cash platform.
0: It triggers the arrest of by the Dutch government. Yes. Or it lays down the legal framework yes. required for it. I understand. Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. Cool. When the story first broke, there were sanctions leveled against Tornado Cash. And the request of the, at the time, the crypto community was do not allow transactions from these ethereum addresses Mm. right because this tornado cash story is all about ethereum yeah
0: this isn't this isn't actually a bitcoin
1: story but because of the open source software developer angle that's exactly Which how is Bitcoin, all Bitcoin exists. Has. Yeah, right. so that's the connection. But this is this story, this Tornado Cash story, is an Ethereum story. So the OFAC came in and said, sanction these Ethereum addresses. Right. That's when it gets to the point of, well, somebody wrote a script that sent a bunch of bunch of Ethereum to like all of these like legit addresses, and now those addresses are going to be blacklisted, right? And it just was like, this is comical. How are you going to blacklist this network, mm-hmm. right? The story is that. Coin Center, which is a nonprofit that's centered around a lot of the privacy rights that are being championed by the cryptocurrency community at large, not just Bitcoiners. Coin Center is now suing OFAC for this sanctioning, saying you can't do this. So this is interesting because, you know, the software guy got arrested in the Netherlands. So there's very little legal ramification for the United States justice system to go and really have any say in what's going on over there. But the reason why he's arrested is now being challenged in American courts.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really smart loophole. Also, I remember when you talked about this story, you were saying like, and the United States is doing nothing about it. And so now it's like they're being forced to take a stance either way. So it'll be
1: interesting to see how this plays out. One of the defendants listed is Janet Yellen.
0: (laughs) It looks like she is the defendant.
1: Probably won't see much out of this because of just how our system is set up. But there is now a court case pending in America around what has happened. And it will be very interesting to see where this eventually lands, but I don't think they have much of a leg to stand on. But what do I know? I'm not a lawyer.
0: We'll see. Any more good news for me, babe?
1: I mean, this one isn't necessarily good news, but it does show like the resiliency of Bitcoin and the Bitcoin technology stack that's starting to emerge. So I'll say this is like medium news. Um, so anyway, over the week, there was a bug.
0: Or neutral news.
1: Neutral. I mean, <laughs> it's bad. So it's bad because there was a bug. Um,
0: Look at you trying to sugarcoat things. What? So there was a bug in Bitcoin?
1: No. So that's what I'm getting at. Like, Bitcoin, the network that's starting to emerge, has multiple layers now. So there's layer zero or layer one which is what we we've all been calling bitcoin and now on top of that over the past couple years is a new layer called lightning and so lightning is uh how money or how bitcoin moves almost instantaneously um it relies on the underlying bitcoin network so it's not like this new thing but for lightning there's been multiple clients that have been created for lightning and they all are supposed to work with each other and interop with one another so like i could sit here tonight and make well probably not in one night but like I can make my own client, right? I could create like the Ian lightning client. Ooh. And in theory, in theory, I could use that client to talk to the lightning network and create lightning network transactions just like everyone else. Well, one of these lightning clients had a bug in it. That's, that's the bug. And why I say it's bad. It's because, well, if you were relying on that client, if you were using an app that was built on top of that client, uh, you couldn't move money over lightning while this bug existed until it was fixed, um, it was fixed pretty fast. So, no harm, no foul.
0: And who fixes it? The developers who created the client.
1: Yeah. So the client itself is separate from the protocol, right? So the protocol is like we sit down as engineers and we say, you know, these are the behaviors that we expect your client to be able to perform. But then you can start a company that says, I'm going to build the best client possible.
0: So. It's- People who use it pay out this client, right? Like, like each transaction, they get a cut.
1: No, that's, that's not necessarily how that works. So the way that we're, if you're talking about how do people get paid um, is that your client is what powers your lightning node, right? So we have a box. It's got a lightning client on it. Mm-hmm. 90% certain it's not the, the client that it was broken. Mm-hmm. But... On the Lightning Network, when you make a payment from A to B, sometimes some of those payments go through our box because it's trying to find the shortest connection between A to B. On
0: that client?
1: On the Lightning Network as a whole. Okay. Right? And so what happened is that, let's say you have 10 nodes on the network and three of them were powered by this client. Those three nodes like disappeared. So when a Lightning transaction is trying to get routed, it doesn't even see those as ways to route through because they were out of sync with the network that was the bug and so perhaps that transaction to go from a to b has to go through more nodes right it still has to find a route from a to b but it might take all seven hops instead of with those other lightning nodes maybe it was only two hops right so when these lightning nodes went offline technically if you were a person that was charging for money moving through your node you might have actually made a little bit more money because now more transactions are routing through you because those those lightning nodes that were had the bug in them have disappeared from the network. So
0: do we make money if people transfer money through our node?
1: I've set it to zero.
0: Oh you're so kind a man of the people
1: I mean I've set it to zero um, and most people kind of advocate setting it to zero if you're not actually going to be running a node that is always up and always available. Right. Mm -hmm. So, our node, in theory, our power could go out and so it's down and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen, but like.
0: But people don't pick our node. mm -mm. It's just if it happens. So, can you say, I don't want to go through a node that charges me money? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Um, Why
0: wouldn't everyone do that? Because it's less reliable.
1: You get what you pay for. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying this of this particular client, but in this world of lightning, I do believe that there is going to be certain clients that are extremely good. And I think that there will be less good clients. And I think that what you're going to see very similar to like internet browsers, right? This is like another version of like the internet browser, right? The lightning client is the browser for the lightning network.
0: Mm, Okay. That's a nice way to explain it.
1: Just like Bitcoin wallets. Would have
0: been nice five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here like, oh my God, he's getting so technical.
1: Right. And I'm trying not to get technical, but... I think the best example that everyone will always understand is that Bitcoin wallets, like I said, Blue Wallet, Yeah. Right? Bitcoin wallets are the browser for the Bitcoin network, right? Mm-hmm. You could use Blue Wallet. You could use Moon. You could use Nunchuck, right? There's all these different wallets. And these
0: wallets. pick the Lightning Network. They pick the client. They do all of that.
1: So yes. So Blue Wallet is a piece of software and they have picked which client they're going to use to talk to the Bitcoin Layer 1 network. And Blue Wallet also has a Lightning client in it. So mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Lightning are technically two, uh, two separate things that rely on the same underlying technology. Yeah. I
0: guess I understand all this stuff. I think sometimes you just get so technical and I'm like, wow, most people are not going to pick this up. Like, how can Bitcoin ever really become the norm these companies are going to sort that out and the ones that become like the leader of the industry or the most common used are going to be the ones that work and don't have glitches
1: exactly okay okay. so like you have a browser on your phone there is millions of lines of open source code Mm -hmm. that makes that browser happen yeah google chrome is not comprised of a bunch of google engineers writing Mm -hmm. all of that code they're at least 50 percent of that is code that's been written over the past 30 years Mm -hmm. so what the current state of browsers are, is just bringing in the best solutions to problems mm-hmm. that we see on the internet, all right? That's where you get SSL certs, like your, your website has like a lock on it, right? Makes you feel safe mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. Um, that didn't exist when browsers first started, um, but they needed that for banking applications. So like the banks trying to get on the internet and provide services over the internet made browsers have to improve their security and then people tried a bunch of different things and we've kind of settled on this is the one that we're going to do. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and now we have secure banking.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: Um, so, yeah, the clients are what go into the browser and then the apps like Blue Wallet are the browsers. And so Blue Wallet has a Bitcoin browser and it has a Lightning browser.
0: All right, I get it. I get it. Sort of. Is it time for bad news?
1: This is comical bad news, mm-hmm. I guess. Like it's, it's bad because they're trying. Okay. Which also kind of shows that like they don't really know how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. Who's bad. they? So the European Union has announced new sanctions, add to the list of all the sanctions that they're trying against Russia, including a ban on all Russian Bitcoin wallets.
0: Is that possible? No. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) they've just announced it.
1: So, I mean, here's the thing. If you're a Russian who has your Bitcoin on, let's just say, Russian Coinbase... Mm-hmm. and you're trying to transfer your Bitcoin from Russian Coinbase to non-Russian Coinbase, yeah, they can stop you, mm-hmm. right? Okay, fine. But if you're a Russian who has one of these cold cards...
0: Who listens to flirting with Bitcoin.
1: And you transfer your Bitcoin into or non-Russian Coinbase, mm-hmm. they have no freaking idea where that comes ah. from. But, number one don't transfer your Bitcoin into Coinbase because in order to do that, you have to tell them who you are.
0: Yeah, why are you? Right. Why are you even putting it into a Coinbase? Right. You, you've got it, you're good. And like Russian, Coinbase, whatever company that is, they're not participating in these sanctions to let them, okay.
1: This is all just posturing to I be understand. like- I
0: understand. It's just another effort to try to punish yeah, like if, financially.
1: it's scary, and you know they generate a little bit of fear. Like, ooh, I don't want to get caught, so mm. they force people to go in less secure manners to probably move their money, and maybe mm. they get robbed, digitally robbed, because they're doing it in a less secure way. But regardless of that, the whole purpose of Bitcoin is that it's impossible to do what they're claiming. There are
0: no borders. There's no borders. borders. Once your
1: Bitcoin is, once you convert your rubles to Bitcoin, you're, you're, you're no longer Russian.
0: Yeah.
1: You're on Bitcoin Island. You're not in Russia anymore. Your money is no longer in Russia. And the people that are coming up with these rules do not understand that concept.
0: Or they understand it and they just don't care. And they want to do some type of ceremonial attack.
1: Yes, yes. I think that there's definitely a part to that. But I also think that when we look at insert crisis has happened in the world and then people come on TV or whatever media you want to consume and they're the official person that's going to talk to you. Almost all these people have gray hair. (laughs) So there's no way they understand this. There's no way, yeah. And even if they have a person standing next to them every day explaining this to them, this is grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa does not understand this. Great grandpa. And grandpa thinks that you can do what we used to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can, if you're trying to stop someone from turning their rubles into dollars, we have a lot of power over the dollar. Mm-hmm. We have zero power over, over Bitcoin.
0: Bitcoin. Yeah, I also, you know, like I'm, I'm really against financial sanctions. They just hurt the people. Yep. Buck sanctions. <laughs> they only hurt the people, and Bitcoin is for the people. So exactly. All right, last but not least, so I'm assuming the worst news of all.
1: I mean, this is definitely the ugly.
0: Okay, bring it. Ugly for the economy or ugly for Bitcoin? Neither. Okay.
1: It's just ugly.
0: Does it hurt?
1: No, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt us, right? Okay, that's all
0: all I care about.
1: And (laughs) if... If you become a, a true, I don't say a true Bitcoiner because that's like a purity test, but the closer you get to Bitcoin maximalism or this new term that I'm trying to push on Twitter, some someone said it and I'm just trying to push it forward, which is monocoinism, right? Like monotheism. Oh
0: gosh, guys, I'm rolling my eyes. Uh, good. That's the dumbest thing I've heard.
1: Bitcoin maximalism is dumb.
0: I like that one.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing it started as a pejorative,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So like someone was shitting on bitcoin and said oh those bitcoin maximalists are yeah, crazy take
0: it, make it your own
1: i think that that's like silly it i is. get it but, but you
0: also need that to push bitcoin adoption but we're like we're not bitcoin maximalists we yeah. use the
1: dollar every day yeah 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 but but i guess my point around like bitcoin maximalism is that no one goes around saying i'm a united states dollar maximalist Mm-hmm. whatever currency you use. Like no one has ever said- They just call themselves capitalists. No, they just live their lives. There's mm-hmm. not a term for yeah. person- There's not a term for a person who only spends dollars and only <laughs> thinks, that the, and thinks of the dollar. Like, you know, like there's no term I for that. I refuse to barter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Celsius is in bankruptcy court. There's discovery because you're in court and mm-hmm. it's illegal proceedings. Well, during this, Celsius has now disclosed- I don't think they did it on purpose, but it's happened. They've disclosed names and transaction history- Of all of their users. Wow. All of them. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if this didn't happen on purpose. And that's why I think this is very interesting. Celsius
0: did this intentionally or the opposing council? Like, is it? Hear me out. Yeah. Hear
1: me out. So Celsius, since the bankruptcy, been getting a lot of flack for what they did. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have been coming at them calling them all kinds of names, which I think they kind of rightly deserve. It it was very obviously a Ponzi scheme and a scam. They were paying old users with new money. Like that's kind of been proven to a certain extent. Um, and when it was all collapsing, they were all withdrawing money while saying everything's fine. Right. But here's what's happened. The data gets leaked and people immediately start combing through the data. Mm hmm. And someone made a website that you can go search for anyone's name and see all the money that they lost because of Celsius. Because remember... Is your
0: name going to be on there? It's not. Okay, good.
1: Phew. Which is weird because Phew. I definitely created a Celsius account to like play with it. And mm-hmm. I thought for sure I had like maybe 20 bucks in there. Mm-hmm. But my name isn't in this document. Oof. My name isn't on this site. Thank so, goodness.
0: Like, the pod would have lost all credibility. But here's
1: the thing, right? Is like, okay, so my name's not in there. And I'm pretty certain I had some money, mm-hmm. right? Because they always want you to deposit something. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name isn't in there. However, there are some pretty prominent Bitcoiners whose names appear in this data set.
0: And what does that mean? Does that, well, like, of course, Bitcoiners were using Celsius. We knew that.
1: But they had Ethereum. Oh. And they had XRP. <gasps> and they had all these things that you're not. Ooh, they you're, weren't Bitcoin you're, maximalists. That you're, that you're not supposed to be using. So were
0: they, like, you know loud anti Ethereum people
1: well this is my point is that i could see a scenario where it's almost like well if i'm going down i'm taking all y'all with me because all of these people are pouncing on celsius Mm. but then if you go look in the i'm just assuming like a malicious person at celsius being like what did they say let me look at the if they had a celsius account Oh, they had tens of thousands of dollars in here. And you're talking crap about me when I was paying you interest in this scam? Like just blowing up people's like oh, credibility. I see. So
0: not to be like, oh, you're a Bitcoiner, but you have Ethereum. It's more of like, oh, you're trying to hate on my business model but you were benefiting off of it okay that makes more sense i'm I'm more like oh it's a scandal if you're a supposed bitcoiner but you're holding all of these other coins
1: well it's both yeah how do you prove that that's not you
0: yeah because it's just someone has created a website based on that database and for all you know they've just gotten that person's name wrong right exactly yeah so like so what's bitcoin twitter saying and also why is this bad news
1: So this is bad news because this shows the dangers of KYC. Yeah. Celsius forced everyone to give them all this information to create an account with them. Now they're in bankruptcy court and everyone's information got leaked, specifically because they ran a bad business. Now, assuming that they never went bankrupt, we can assume that this data would have never been leaked. But here they are in bankruptcy court and people are trying to get their money back. In order to get your money back, you got to have a claim. And And so they had to produce this data set to show all the losses but in the data set they've attached people's names to. it. They doxed everyone.
0: And like the <laughs> the data that's coming out is this like money they don't have anymore?
1: If you had money in Celsius, you have not gotten Getting it back, back yet. Oh. So here's the thing, like this is why I'm 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 definitely I'm admitting this. I am hedging. I don't know if this website that's pur- purporting to be able to search and see if anyone had mm-hmm. it. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. Right? But I do know that Celsius had a database of people Mm -hmm. now either accidentally or maliciously it has gotten out. And now with the news of it getting out, because they haven't denied Mm -hmm. that this isn't real data, someone has been able to create a website that says, here's everything that was in it. I didn't go through the data. I didn't verify all the big
0: names, the big Bitcoiner names responded to these allegations.
1: Again, I'm not going to say anybody's name on this podcast Mm. because I don't actually 100%
0: Yeah, I'm not trying to get
1: sued. It's not about getting sued. It's that it could be very simple as someone had the same name as you, right? It could be very simple as I was also playing around with it. But it could also be that that's actually not them. And someone Mm -hmm. poisoned this data set to make it look like this. But I will say that there were certain names and amounts that definitely line up, Mm. right? And so basically what I've been saying to myself is that if your name is on there and it's in the millions, it's probably true. Mm-hmm. And the names that we see that are in the millions are people that were kind of like openly promoting Celsius, right? Right, that makes So like sense. you can assume that like that's you because yeah. you were talking about how good Celsius was. But then as you go down the, the dollar amount, right? When you get into like the hundreds of thousands of dollars or the tens of thousands of dollars, I think it gets a little bit more like suspect if that's real data. Because like if someone were to... Put my name in that data set and say i lost let's just pick a small number i lost five thousand dollars which i guess that's not small to you know whatever but like
0: it's not small to me
1: in the grand scheme of like people losing millions I can
0: do things with that five thousand
1: yeah yeah we could we could pay for something right <laughs> but the point is is that like if it said ian lost a million dollars in celsius you would be like what's going on yeah right but if it said ian lost Five or a thousand dollars in Celsius, you might be inclined to believe that, yeah, right. And I'd be like, No, 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 that's not me. And you'd be like, Okay, but like, that is your name. And it's like, But that's there could be another E, there's a right? ton of
0: other E, right. In the so,
1: world. I'm just saying that, like, at a the lower the dollar amount gets, the less it's like corroboratable, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: less, that's not a word,
0: it's not, but I let you say it.
1: Thank you so. This is bad because they had the data set. That's the Mm -hmm. ugly. The data set got leaked. We know that for sure. Whether it was on accident or malicious, I think that's what's up in the air. And I can definitely see a game plan where the CEO of this company is a malicious actor and all the people that have been coming after him. He went into his own data, found their names and realized if I leak this. This makes y'all look bad. I can see a scenario where that happened. I'm not saying that that's Mm -hmm. what happened. Based on what I've seen this guy's personality display, since this has all gone down, I do not put it past him and his team to do this.
0: And he's just going through bankruptcy court right now. Like he's not going to jail.
1: This isn't really a Bitcoin story, but we'll just, I'm going to slide it in. So in the Tesla world, there was a a fraud case Mm -hmm. where that just got resolved like in the past week. So Nikola the company so it's tesla and nicola
0: yeah Nikola was supposed to be like the competitor well
1: they were making electric trucks right mm-hmm. well that guy just got convicted of fraud and it looks like he's probably going to do like 10 to 20 years
0: mm-hmm. he, defrauding his investors his investors not customers was, but yeah
1: whatever fraud is fraud i mean there's different fraud. levels of fraud yeah, yeah, but yeah. fraud is fraud right mm-hmm. so he it looks like he's going to jail The amount of fraud that he did is a fraction of this Celsius scam. (laughs) So like this guy's in bankruptcy court, sure. But I think the next step is the fraud Mm -hmm. that he was perpetrating. And he's also looking at time. So I definitely see this as like, if I'm going down.
0: Taking everyone with me. And
1: maybe I can't bring you into jail with me because using my service wasn't illegal. But I can like ruin your reputation and make it harder for you to be like this, you know, this Bitcoin purist that's like, Oh, this is all crap or whatever. And I could see him doing that as just like Mm -hmm. a middle finger to the Bitcoin community at whole because they were calling out his scam very early on.
0: We'll have to see how this plays out.
1: So closing thought on this one is this is why when I tell people where to buy Bitcoin or when I when I recommend places, use places that are run by Bitcoiners because Bitcoiners are not trying to build these like Ponzi scheme companies. Celsius was dealing with more than just Bitcoin. They had their own coin. First of all, if they have their own coin, that's a red flag from now on, from here on out. If someone has their own coin, red flag. That's why I recommend Strike. That's why I recommend Swan. That's why I recommend Amber. That's why I recommend Bitcoin bull. I recommend these companies because they are being run by Bitcoiners who were all, for the most part, maybe not Strike, but the CEO of Swan has been screaming about the Celsius scam basically since it was kind of sniffed out to begin mm-hmm. with. So there's people that are trying to help you not get scammed. If they have a business that's willing to sell you Bitcoin, support them.